You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. You got us. Great Tuesday. How is everyone? Hope everyone's doing well. It's Matt and Lars. Noah is at the controls. I don't know if Ooh. you've seen this yet, uh, Lars, but I'm going to lead with our weatherman. James Spann is okay. He's recovering nicely, but he had to have immediate surgery in his abdomen last night. He missed his weather brains appointment, had to go to Grandview immediately. And as he said in his tweet, his ex, whatever you call him these days, that he had to have immediate surgery on a bowel obstruction because he went into double over type pain. But there's a picture of him in his hospital bed there at Grandview. And then there's a picture of a beautiful sky with the little dots of clouds, wisps of clouds in the sky. So I don't know if you'd seen that yet or not. I just saw it about 45 minutes ago. But my prayers, our prayers, go out to James Spann, our dear weatherman. Lars, how are you today? I'm good. Um, it's my teaching day here in Tuscaloosa. Teaching so, day. Uh, teaching day. Yay. Uh, and I, I actually just got off the phone with uh, Ryan Spann, James' son. And uh, James is uh, doing really well. Um, and uh, he's a... He's an absolute machine, as you know, Matt. We're uh, we're both very close with James, and um, you know he uh, he was having a, a, a lot of pain last night, and uh, he still wanted to stick around at the uh, station ABC thirty three forty and do the ten o'clock uh, uh, news and weather. And uh, finally, you know, he, he Ryan called him after Ryan's brother had said, hey, you need to call dad. And um, basically, James could barely speak. And Ryan's like, you're not doing the news, dad. <laughs> and he went and get, got, got him and, and took him straight to Grandview, uh, where uh, James uh, played a prominent role in in in. In, in getting that hospital built, frankly, and um, had surgery late last night. And, um, you know, uh, James and I are co-founders of a uh, media, multimedia company called Sky High Studios. And uh, we were supposed to have a uh, Zoom call at 5.30 this evening. And uh, I just had assumed that uh, we were going to cancel the Zoom call. But uh, Ryan was telling me, hey, Dad, don't be surprised if uh, we keep that Zoom call. I mean, come on, James. If you're listening, take a break. Take a break. Uh, get well. Uh, you don't have to do a Zoom call from your hospital bed. But, uh, and you know, in typical James Spann fashion, he was asking the, the nurses, hey, what can I do to help you? What, what, what can I do to help you? You know, and here he is just in, in a, a tremendous amount of pain in, in his abdomen and, and um, you know, uh, but uh, everything looks, uh, looks like it's, it's uh, moving in, in the right direction and um, he'll hopefully be back on air very soon. And also, uh, man, I may be on the Zoom call tonight. So uh, for uh, for us at, at Sky High Studios, because we have some major decisions to make. And, and obviously, James <clears throat> is our leader. 
And uh, but again, James, if you're listening, please uh, don't don't rush anything. We can we can take a few days here. But yeah. but 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 you know, Jay. I mean, you know, Matt. You know, James just as as well as I do. And he is just tenacious. Uh, he uh, is the hardest working man I've ever met in my life. And that is truly not uh, uh, an overstatement. The fact that he, every single day, he travels to speak at, at a school and, um, and you know, uh, he's still working just so hard uh, at the weather and he's written books. And, you know, now we have this, uh, this project with Sky High Studios, uh, which is taking up a lot of our time, which, you know, you and I have discussed privately, Matt. And so um, I'm, I'm, I am impressed with James almost on a daily basis. He's a good man on every single front and here's to him getting better i hope he's not listening i hope he ate some lunch and taking a nap but james gets about three hours of sleep a night and that's enough for him it's he's an amazing he's an amazing person uh not just as a weather you know as a meteorologist but just as a general person and anyway james knows we're thinking about him and uh, i will like an update via twitter at about six o'clock tonight whether or not he made his uh it's uh, Zoom call. The Zoom call, yes. The Zoom call. All right. Uh, in the world of sports, of course, Alabama will host the mocks of UTC this weekend. New Mexico State goes to the plane. But the main story continues to be coaches firing who's hiring. And I don't know what you've heard over the past 24 hours, actually 22 hours since we last discussed it. But I just want to throw in a name from our state that I think will probably get a phone call, maybe on one or more of these. Rich Rodriguez at Jacksonville State University. Lars, is he a fit for Northwestern, Michigan State, Texas A&M, Boise State, or Mississippi State? Well, I would love to see Rich Rod at Michigan State, given the fact that um, you know it didn't end well for him at Michigan and uh, to go to the arch rival, that is just something that would be uh, delicious for for Rich. And uh, you know, we've talked about this. I've, I'm, I'm friends with Rich. We've played golf a lot, and uh, he's he's just uh, he is just quite the character. And he's done such a good job at Jacksonville State. Um, after uh, you know, he had some issues at at Arizona. Uh, some personal issues, and uh, those have been resolved, and and come to Alabama, coaching Jacksonville State, and uh, doing a terrific job there. And yeah, I, I think his name will be discussed. Uh, you know, he's he's only sixty years old, and not only that, he's a young sixty. Uh, when you're around him, he just has so much energy and fire and. And uh, man, his, his sense of humor, he's just, you know, he is just a, 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 an enjoyable person to be around. He's someone you want to sort of hang out with, you know, and, and, and like have, uh, yeah, if you're at a dinner party, you want to be sitting next to Rich Rod. <laughs> the guy can tell story after story after story. And uh, he's just, uh, he's a lot of fun. His players at every stop have uh, respected him and I think have played hard for him. And um, 
I think he'd be a great fit at, at Michigan State. How, how about you? What do what are you what are your thoughts? I think we may have lost Matt, perhaps. Matt, uh, you're still on mute. I don't know no. if he goes to uh, Michigan State. I think for the very reasons you just gave us, that's a possibility. Um, I don't see him going to Texas A&M. Uh, Northwestern. Mississippi State, maybe. Could he go there? That, that might work. So, by the way, I heard Lane Kiffin's quote on the firings of Jimbo Fisher and more so Arnett because he's in state the egg bowl's coming up all that he was he was very very disappointed and and made uh some really good points about letting a guy go after 10 games who came in late to the party and has not really even had a time to to know to to get his deck in order and yet he's been fired already following the 51 to 10 loss to texas a&m of all the firings that I've seen here, Lars, that to me is the most unjust. Ten games to ride a ship to follow Mike Leach? Yeah. The more I think about it, the more aggravated I get because, man, that is truly the definition of unfair. They didn't even give him an entire season. Yeah. They didn't let him get a full recruiting class in. They really put him in a – he was in a tough spot following Mike Leach. And, um, you know, I, I just uh, – you never want – You know want- what Mississippi State did, Lars? They let him come in in an 11 to nothing game in the ninth and mop up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He, ju- he was just sent there to mop up, and that's not fair. I guess maybe he was the only one available. But if he's the only one available, at least give him a, a couple of years, maybe – um, I, like I said, and you can probably tell, I'm becoming more and more aggravated about his dismissal. And quite honestly, some of my aggravation stems from what Kiffin's points were made. I mean, he, he laid it right out there. Of course, many are saying he wanted him to stay there because he knew he could beat him. But I know, you know, that, that's all, you know, Internet and, and social media fodder. But uh, that's a situation because you, you're looking for coaches at – Northwestern, Michigan State, Texas A&M, Boise State, Mississippi State, and Lawrence, before we go to break, do you think there's another foot or two, another shoe or two to drop here? Yeah, absolutely. And let's uh, let's talk about that on the other side. And, and the other thing I want to talk about is um, all of this money being paid out to coaches who have been fired since the 2022 season. It is staggering, staggering. Over 146 million, and that's and not. Half of we're that's not, Jimbo. Half of that's Jimbo, and let's uh, get into the other coaches who are still raking in a lot of money, including two coaches from Auburn and one from my hometown of Lincoln, Nebraska. We'll continue with big noon sports in a moment. Bottom of the hour. We've got Mike Rodak from Bama 24-7, so stay tuned. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A cloudy sky this afternoon. The most widespread rain stays south of here, the high 67. Cloudy and cooler tonight. Rain moving in, especially after midnight, the low 50. 
Tomorrow, cloudy and cool with occasional rain. The high in the upper 50s at 59. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 67 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Covering SEC sports like kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Welcome into the show. Portions are brought to you by Laura Lee. Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama Broker Advantage Realty Group. She'll be with us Friday as we broadcast live from Ennis Free from noon until 2. Lars, I actually took the time last night, <clears throat> watched a little Monday night football. Not sure I'm glad I did. Man, that was some pretty bad football. But Denver is kind of starting to show, you know, spread their wings or get into their gallop. Maybe that's what I should say with the Broncos. But they ended up winning this thing 24-22. to 22. And afterwards, the Bills fired Ken Dorsey. Is that the guy who used quarterback at Miami? Yeah, won a national championship in yeah, Miami. Sure. And he was, uh, was really, he was known as uh, one of the up-and-coming uh, coordinators in the league. But uh, for whatever reason, it just has not worked out uh, for Ken Dorsey. And, and you know, Josh Allen makes some absolutely ridiculous decisions. I, I don't understand some of the things that, that he does. And unfortunately, that uh, caused Dorsey to lose his job. And and now, I guess who's elevated to uh, be the interim OC, and that's uh, Joe Brady, who really made a name for himself at LSU. And he was kind of the brains behind that Joe Burrow-led offense of, uh, what, 2019? Is that it? Um, when, uh, when, you know, Burrow threw, like, 400 touchdowns, but also they had, think about this offense. They had uh, Edwards Alaire running back, Chase at one wide receiver position, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson at another wide receiver position, and Joe Burrow at quarterback. I mean, what a stacked team. That has to go down as one of the best teams in college football history. But in uh, in Joe Brady was a key element in that uh in, I think in the development and growth of Burrow and uh, Brady could be a long-term, I think, uh, long-term offensive coordinator for Buffalo. But uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Josh Allen, he leads the NFL with 13 turnovers. Uh, he's thrown 11 interceptions and uh, one of the interceptions last night wasn't his fault. It's the hits the guy, hits the receiver in the hands. Oh, yeah, hit him in the hands. Yeah, but then the other one was just, uh, you know, he's got a really strong arm. But when you're trying to throw like a 15-yard out and you are standing on the right hash and you're going to the left sideline, that's a lot of ground to cover. And uh, just a really ill-advised throw there. Still, the Bills uh, had a chance to win it uh, in uh, the very last play of the game. Um, uh, Denver's kicker uh, pushes a field goal attempt wide right. Looks like Bills win. Oh, no, there's a penalty flag. Guess what happened? Too many men on the field for the Bills. Give the kicker another chance, and he drills it through the uprights. And that one just has got to really sting. 
if you are a Bills fan because now they're five and five, and um, and they're facing an uphill battle to to make the playoffs. And also, you know, the Bills' offense, which we thought was going to be really high-powered, hasn't scored more than 25 points since week four. But the biggest issue is turnovers. And uh, you're not going to win many games in the NFL if you lose a turnover battle, Matt. No, you're not. And what has happened, in my view, in the last couple of years is Josh Allen has gone from one of the elite top three or four quarterbacks in the NFL to really mediocre. And mediocrity is my word of the day concerning the NFL. I think you got a huge game coming up, right? Chiefs and Eagles. Those are the two best teams in their respective conferences. But other than that, they're all like four and five and five and five and five and four and three and five. Um, it's not a very pretty year for the National Football League unless you're a fan of Mahomes and Hurts. And that's where it is. And the reason that uh, the Bills are in such of a mess is because of Josh Allen. He's just not playing very well. So we'll see which one of these teams can finally right their ships. But right now, and last night, I watched it. It's football. It was on. Um, but it was tough to watch. And I kept thinking, these guys are professional football players with 12 men on the field? Yeah. Missing extra points? Yeah, oh, the, yeah. Denver just, missed two extra yes, points. Just, yeah, I mean, Denver is not. Here? That's the thing. Denver is not a very good team. They're not. Is it Sean Payton? No, it's. It, it's I think it's Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson, he played okay last night. Um, but you know what they did is they just uh, they took care of the ball. And so when uh, the opposing the team you're playing turns the ball over four times, you're going to have a pretty good chance to win the game. Even if you're Denver. Even if you're Denver, yeah. And, uh, you know, I actually took Denver last night, getting seven and a half points. I was very, well, you very got pleased. the points and the win. Yeah, good yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, the Bills have problems. The Bills have uh, big problems. And um, But, you know, th th look... The National Football League is designed so that everybody is basically eight and nine or nine and eight. Now that there's a 17 game schedule, because of uh, how the draft works, how uh, free agency works, the salary cap. Um, you know, that's uh, that's the goal is to have uh, <laughs> have have a really big uh, middle class very small upper class and a small uh, lower class. And uh, we're really seeing that this year. Uh, I think the Baltimore Ravens, uh, boy, they had a chance to put some distance between themselves and everybody else in the AFC North. And then they get beat by the Cleveland Browns on the last play of the game. Uh, Cincinnati got beat on the last play of the game. The Bills get beat on the last play of the game. There were a lot of games this last week that went to the last play of the game. And, yeah, it's not all, you know, great football or anything. But um, I'm like you. If it's on, if the NFL's on, I'm going to watch it Even for sure. If it's a capital U-G-L-Y. Yeah. Yeah. But no, hey, let's I, I, uh let's talk about buyouts here for a second, okay? Um all right. So we we discussed this yesterday. Texas A&M is paying a record 76 million 
uh, buyout to fire Jimbo Fisher. And since 2002, uh, excuse me, 2022, and this is according to um, uh, data that ESPN acquired. It's an ESPN story um, up on ESPN.com um, written by uh, Paula Levine um, that uh, since 2022, about $146 million has been paid out by Power 5 schools to head coaches who have been fired Right. And Jimbo Fisher accounts for more than half of that, which is pretty crazy. So 76 million goes to Jimbo. As we discussed yesterday, what is 19.1 million goes to him within 60 days. And then within 90 days, he gets 7.1 annually through 2031. That's a pretty good, pretty good deal. Um, and, and you mentioned too, and the thing is he can double dip, right? If he wants to coach next year, he, this is like uh, Bobby Bonilla stuff, right? And you know what I'm talking about, Matt. Uh, what is Bobby? Yeah, he's Bobby, still getting paid. Yeah, he's still getting by, paid by the Mets. A year by the Mets. Yeah, I forget what, there is a Bobby Bonilla day that, uh, that when it's when the contract is due. I think it runs through 2034 or something. But um yeah, so, okay, so among the, the coaches who have been fired since 2022 who are getting these buyouts, uh, the previous record before Jimbo was Auburn's uh, Gus Malzahn. He got $21.7 million. And then who is third on the list? Auburn, <laughs> Brian Harson. He gets $15.5 million. Fourth. Nebraska's Scott Frost, fifteen million. Scott is out of football. How long is that one going? I, I don't know what the de- I don't know the details of it, but uh, Scott uh, moved to Phoenix and literally bought the most expensive house in the Scottsdale area. Uh, so he's doing he's doing okay for himself. Scott's not one to really uh, shy away from the ego, is he? <laughs> No, I'm surprised. I mean, I'm surprised. I'm surprised he hasn't. I'm surprised he hasn't. I'm surprised he hasn't sued me, frankly. But um, it's because he's a public figure, and he knows he wouldn't win. But um, and this all goes back to the Showtime documentary that we did on Lawrence Phillips. But that's a whole nother story. Uh, okay, so Harson was third. Frost was fourth. Jeff Collins uh, fired at Georgia Tech in September 2022. His buyout was 11.4 million. Paul Christ uh, fired in October 22. His buyout was 11. Carl Durrell. Do you even know where he coached? No. <laughs> I wouldn't have either unless I had it in front of me. Colorado uh, fired in October 22, 8.7 million. Herm Edwards fired from Arizona State, 4.4 million. And Zach Arnett fired on Monday from Mississippi State. He gets 4 million. You know what? For Zach Arnett, good for him. Like, he deserves that 4 million. Yeah, but that won't enable him to go buy the biggest house in Tucson. No, but I think he wants to get yeah, back in coaching. But, oh, he's a relatively young guy. But, uh, yeah, I hope he gets back in, and I hope he gets a chance to 
take on Mississippi State. Hey, uh, you hear the music? We're going to break. That means we will have Mike Rodak from Bama 24-7 on the show in just a matter of minutes. This is Big Noon Sports. Laura Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. Take a sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Back on Big Noon Sports. Matt Coulter along with Lars Anderson. Noah is our producer today as we continue to talk all things college football, a lot of NFL. Who knows? Maybe we'll talk about Shoei Utani, who's going to the Braves, I'm convinced. No, I'm not, but that was social media fodder last night. Mike Rodak joins us on Big Noon Sports, brought to you by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker. Mike, how are you today? Doing well. How are you? Uh, really good. Uh, Alabama just continues to improve. Just uh, glance back over your right shoulder or left. And um, give us your thoughts on what happened Saturday afternoon in Lexington, Kentucky. Yeah, sort of a game that I think we talked about last week was a trap game. And so it was, uh, I guess, validating to hear Nick Saban use that term as well after the game that he considered it a trap game and, you know, in fact, put out, you know, mouse traps around the facility uh, last week as sort of a visual reminder for players that, you know, this is a trap game and, you know, don't take the cheese, which, you know, is kind of like the rat poison. That's another term that came up after this game. And that was kind of the feeling that it was an early start. It was a pretty cold morning. Um, you know, you're going on the road to a smaller stadium. There was zero energy outside that stadium walking into it. I mean, it's, it's basketball season in Lexington now. And um, you're coming off a, a pretty emotional win over LSU. So I think, the elements were in play. We're certainly there for a letdown, a trap game, uh, relaxation. And well, what do they do? They come out 21, nothing. It was pretty clear from the get go that they are ready to play. And, you know, Kentucky was probably the team that was sleepwalking, if anything. And, you know, Kentucky played a little bit better as the game went on, um, you know, got it to within 14 and then Alabama kind of closed the door on them, uh, with another touchdown. So that's, that's what they needed to do. I think it was, um, you know, when you're talking about trying to improve your margin of victory and just trying to do everything you can to get your resume where it needs to be, that's that's exactly what they did. 
What's your assessment of, uh, one, just the, the play of Jalen Milrow on Saturday and also just uh, his continued evolution at the quarterback position? Yeah, it, uh, you know, you had that, that early play where he gets hurt and we're all thinking, all right, like this, this is exactly what Nick Saban was kind of warning against or talking about last week when um, you got asked on his radio show about, Milrow being physical and, and running and trying to punish opponents. And they've been said, yeah, all that's great that you're competitive, but ultimately need to be smart. And that was a run, you know, in the first drive there where he was just trying to do a little something extra and got hit in the thigh with the helmet. And then, you know, we all see him hobbling around and goes to the ground and goes to the sideline. We're thinking, man, like, you know, is this going to be a very unexpected Ty Simpson game? And that lasted one play. Uh, before Milrow came back in. So credit to him to, to fight through that. And, you know, he was certainly dealing with it. It was an ice pack on his, his thigh between drives and was on the bike. So um, for him to put up the six touchdowns with that was, was pretty impressive. And, um, you know, I think the evolution for him is getting better at picking his spots on when to run, when to throw, when to throw it away, when to give up on a play, uh, when to check down, um, you know, it's not perfect. He threw an interception. There was a few other plays where you're like, he had an open receiver and he missed them. Um, but overall, the the product has been better from him. And um, you know, I don't think he's winning the Heisman, uh, but he's you know he's in the top ten safely, I would say, for the Heisman race. And um, for you know, from where he came from two months ago, that's pretty good for him. That's just amazing, really, when you consider what things were like at Alabama following the South Florida game. And no one, of course, all eyes are on the quarterback. No one player slash position has grown faster and more this year at Alabama. But Terion Arnold, in my opinion, has grown into, is he a first rounder yet? Let me just jump out there with that, Mike. He could be. Um, You know, Dane Brugler who works for the athletic and does their NFL draft coverage and um, certainly very respected every year and and, and well-connected with scouts. He had him in his top 30 um, when he did that, uh, I think it was a week ago. So, you know, you see that and ESPN's draft experts now are having uh, Terry on in the top four or five among corners, which, you know, that, that could very well get you if not, you know, the first half of the second round and and maybe sneak you into the back half of the first round. So it's a draft decision that I think a month ago, if you'd have asked me, you know, where does he stand on it? I would say there's a chance he would come out, but it would probably be better for him to come back and play himself into a a higher standing. Now with what he's done and, you know, that kind of jumping or, um, you know, him jumping that route and, and getting the interception in Kentucky, I think got a lot of attention from NFL people. Um, you know, that uh, and his length, too. I think his, his length is ideal for the position and what they look for. Would not be shocked to see him go late in the first, early in the second, which, you know, means I think he, he comes out. Um, I At this point, I, I'm i leaning towards being surprised that, you know, if he would stay in school. So uh, that's, that's where it's headed. And obviously you're losing Kool-Aid as well. Uh, it could be a top 10 pick. So you're losing two of your top corners. And then, you know, overall in this defense, it's, potential for there to be seven or eight draft picks just on defense um that's that's pretty incredible 
Mike, uh, every, everyone has been talking about just how well Alabama played and looked on Saturday and that uh, that this team appears to be, you know, obviously uh, trending in the right direction. But uh, it's my job to be a wet blanket here. What uh, what still concerns you about this Alabama team? No, I think it's it's fair. It's um, sometimes I think there's overreactions in, in both directions and. Uh, this is a team that everybody was, you know, kind of paused history at the halftime of the Tennessee game. And what was everybody thinking then? And then you, you, know, you have the second half against Tennessee of the LSU game, you have the Kentucky game, and that has transformed how people think about this team. But, um, you know, you're doing it against, again, it was just kind of a listless Kentucky team, kind of a Kentucky team that, uh, is very limited uh, in the passing game. You know, Devin Leary has not been the answer for them, a quarterback. And, you know, their strength was in the running game with Ray Davis. And Alabama's strength this season has been stopping the run. So that was, um, you know, a big win for Alabama to stop the run. And there's nothing else Kentucky is really doing besides that. So, you know, there's Kentucky is, is what they are. LSU's defense was what it was. Tennessee, as we just saw against Missouri, is, you know, not not a great team this year. Um, a good team, not a great team. So, um, what I'm getting at is, you know, it's, it's good. Like what they've done, I think they're taking care of business instead of tripping over themselves. Like they did against South Florida, like they did second half against Arkansas, like they did against Ole Miss in the first half. But you know, does it mean that they're going to beat Georgia? Does it mean they're a better team than Georgia? I don't know that yet. Um, and I would say no right now. So, um, it's certainly, would make me more optimistic, but I don't think it, it leaves anything certain. And, um, you know, there's still, you know, the defense has been very good. I think there's been moments where they haven't. Um, the offense has been very good lately, but we all know that there's certainly things that can happen there where you're scratching your head and there's bad snaps or penalties or whatever. Um, so all those things could still crop up, you know, special teams. We, we saw the error with Kool-Aid. So, um, you can't have that if you're playing Georgia. If you get past Georgia in the playoffs, you can't have that against the good teams you'll see there. So, um, you know, appreciate this team for what it is, but I, I still think if they make it to the national championship, they're they're probably going a little bit further than uh, what I would expect at this point even. And perhaps, as uh, many have suggested on this program, um, might be in progress of the best job Nick Saban's ever done at Alabama, and that's certainly saying a lot. Mike, I, I can't remember what the schedule was at, at, is at Alabama on Tuesdays. Do you have players at the top of the hour? Yeah, uh, Will Reichard, Roy Dow Williams, and, and Malachi Moore. Can you just quickly hold through the break? We'll ask you a couple more questions and let you skedaddle, or you need to go now? No, all good to stay. Okay, all right. Mike Rodak from Bama 24-7 is our guest right here on Big Noon Sports. More, let's get into the coaching uh, dismissals and payouts and all that when we return on Big Noon Sports. Christian and Corey Miller every weekday here on Tide 100.9. Coming up tomorrow on the Mill's Edge, it's a talking Tuesday. I'm Corey Miller, the pastor, painted alongside Christian Miller, two-time national champion. We'll break down Alabama's win over Kentucky. We'll look at Chattanooga. And, yes, we'll start eyeing 
that SEC championship game. The Georgia Bulldogs, we're ready to rock and roll. That's coming up on the Mill's Edge. Tune in 11 to noon to hear Christian and Corey Miller break down everything from college to the pros on Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama sports. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. When you switch. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa. Weather. A cloudy sky this afternoon. The most widespread rain stays south of here, the high 67. Cloudy and cooler tonight. Rain moving in, especially after midnight, the low 50. Tomorrow, cloudy and cool with occasional rain. The high in the upper 50s at 59. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 67 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. It is indeed. And our guest from Bama 24-7 is Mike Rodak. Mike, we all know the who, the when, the where, and even the why when it comes to what happened with Jimbo Fisher on Sunday morning at 9 o'clock College Station. There's the answer to those. I think we know why. He looked, they said he's stuck in neutral. I want to know who. Who's next? It's it's funny how you know some of the names you get you see get thrown out there just during the break. I was checking Twitter and uh, Pro Football Talk was throwing out the possibility of Dan Campbell leaving the Detroit Lions to go back to Texas A and M where he played. <laughs> no, which I don't think he would ever do. Right? No. I don't think any NFL head coach is, is leaving an NFL job for a college job and all of the issues that come along with NIL, et cetera. Um, you know, just like the Mike Tomlin to USC talk uh, last year, two years ago. Um, but, you know, realistically, is it a job that Lane Kiffin, I think, would want? Yes. I think, as we saw with the Georgia game, you know, Lane, is, he's probably reached his ceiling at Ole Miss. Like, I, I don't know if you're beating Alabama. I don't know if you're beating Georgia with what you're able to do at Ole Miss. And I think Lane, you know, to his credit, has, has built that program into something pretty good, but they're not great. And, um, you know, can he take what he knows as a coach and apply it to a&M and their resources. I think so. Um, obviously, there's pitfalls there in terms of just how well does Lane's personality match up with Texas A&M's culture. Uh, that would be an interesting fit. I know Deion Sanders is another name. I don't really foresee him leaving Colorado and um, you know his sons there. Um, I just it, I don't think it's the time yet for him you know to make make the next move. And I don't think he's done enough to make the next move to the SEC. But um, you know, I, I think the safest bet, and it might not be the splashiest name, is is for A and M to go and, and bring back Mike Elko, um, who's been really solid at Duke, has a history at that school, knows the culture. Um, you know, I think could he's young enough still, where I think you know you could have some runway to to build that program over time. 
I don't think it's a it's a retread hire by any means. It might not be the the youngest and flashiest name out there, but you know, I, I, again, that's I think the best hire form. Um, but I, I think Ross Bjork might be trying to swing a little bit bigger than that. And um, you know, with the money that they have, they can hire pretty much anybody. But it's not a job that I think anybody would accept either. I'm with you. I think it's Elko. Um, quick NFL question. You covered the uh, Buffalo Bills for uh, a few years um, for ESPN. And I believe your last year there in Buffalo was Josh Allen's rookie year. Um, this season, Josh Allen leads the NFL in turnovers with 13, uh, including 11 interceptions. Simple question, what is wrong with Josh Allen? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, as you saw today, you know, Bill's just fired your offensive coordinator, um, Ken Dorsey, uh, after last night's game against against Denver. When it was a lot of turnover issues, there was um, interception off of what should have been a catch. There was a fumble and after a catch. You know, there was issues on defense. There was issues on special teams for the Bills. They had 12 men on the field at the end. Uh, when the Broncos missed the field goal, and then after the penalty, they hit the field goal to win it. So it's, you know, it, it's kind of a weird scapegoat, but it's also there's been issues with that offense this year, and what we saw a couple of years ago from the Bills uh, with Josh Allen. Just, you know, it seemed like every single drive they would score a touchdown, especially right after they got Stephon Diggs, and you know there was a period there where they were close to unstoppable. It's, it's changed. I mean, our offensive line's gotten worse. Dig has gotten a little bit older and has not been quite as consistent. Uh, they don't have a running game. And Allen has always kind of been what he is, which, you know, he's always been turnover prone. I think there's been periods where he's cleaned it up. Uh, but he's always kind of playing that reckless, loose style um, where, you know, you're just weird things happen sometimes. There was a play last night where he went to hand the ball off and the ball just fell out of his hand before he even got to the running back. Uh, there's passes where you're just scratching your head saying, why is he throwing that? Because he, you know, he, he tries to do too much. And that's kind of what he's been doing since he was at Wyoming. And I think in his mind, it's kind of got him to where he's at. And there's some great plays that he makes, especially with his legs. But he just kind of is what he is. And uh, as long as he's there, you know, I think they're going to be a really good team or they could be a really good team. I don't know if they're ever going to fully put it all together just because of how erratic he can be. So, um. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. You know, they they're paying him a lot of money. There's no way they can get rid of him. There's no way they would get rid of him. But it's like, what do you do around him? Um, especially with the salary cap, you're paying him so much that it's hard to build a team around him. That was one of the things early on in his career. He was a lot cheaper, you know, on his rookie contract, and that was supposed to be their window that they could afford all the other players. Well, now that they're paying him big money and paying Diggs big money, they just don't have a, enough cash to go around for everybody else. All right, back to the college ranks. Um, very good head coach in our state, maybe a little overlooked, even in our state, if not nationally, is Rich Rodriguez at Jacksonville State. Does uh, he fit anybody's puzzle when it comes to the coaching searches? Yeah, you know, it's an interesting question because I think, you know, they were pretty competitive against South Carolina um, a week or two ago. And obviously, a name who's been, you know, in some big jobs, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him move up again um i haven't specifically seen his name connected to anything i think um you know and there's jobs starting to open up now obviously mississippi state and a&m san diego state's open now with brady hoke retiring and um obviously there's going to be a lot more 
in another week or so. And it seems like, you know, teams are doing this earlier too, because they really want to get a jump on the portal. Cause if you're, you know, that last weekend of the season and right after Thanksgiving, if you're firing a coach and then the portal opens the next day and you can't get players because you don't have a coach, you know, that's putting you behind the eight ball. So the quicker you can move and, and get a new coach in place, the, the faster you can start building through the portal, um, taking advantage of that. So, um, yeah, I, again, I haven't heard anything specific with Rich Rod, but um, you're right. He's, he's overlooked a little bit in this state because, you know, there's obviously two giants. Um, and then there's Trent Dilfer at UAB, which is another big name. And, and Rich Rogs is kind of hum along and, uh, humming along and, and, and doing pretty well there. Mike, before we let you go, and I, I know you need to run, um, your thoughts on the job that Hugh Freeze is doing at Auburn? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've sort of watched him afar. Um, and it's, you know, he's very limited with his personnel. And in fact, I was listening to an interview he did on, um, you know, Sirius Radio, and I was driving back from Lexington on Sunday. And, you know, he, he's doing what he can with this team this year. I don't think he has all the pieces in place, but what they did against Arkansas was pretty impressive. And, um, you know, Hugh Freeze is one of them, only a few coaches out there that's beaten Nick Saban twice. So, Definitely not a game for Alabama to overlook, especially when it's uh, in Jordan Hare. Thank Let's you, Mike. You get to your players. Yep. Thank you, Mike. Thank you so much. And you can you read Mike on Bama 24-7. Thanks, Mike. Talk to you again. Thank you. All right. Uh, coming up next hour, I've just been informed by one Lars Anderson that one only Tim Brando. Man, I can't wait to hear what he has to say about all these buyouts. Oh, it's going to be great. Yeah. Zach, He's going to be on fire. Say? If you think I got lit up about Zach Arnett, what do you think Timmy's going to do? <laughs> also, I, I've been uh, texting with Rich Rodriguez. Uh, hopefully, we can get him on tomorrow. Oh, well, <laughs> that'll be a scream. We'll just give him the microphone and just sit down and let him go. Let him go. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're approaching the top of the hour. That means halftime on Big Noon Sports. Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lauralee at thebamabroker.com. That's lauralee at thebamabroker.com. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a Town Square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. 
Here's Monsi Bolaños. Following their loss on Monday night to the Denver Broncos, the Buffalo Bills announced that they have fired offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey. Buffalo committed four turnovers in the loss, including three by star quarterback Josh Allen, who leads the NFL with 13 turnovers and 11 interceptions. Bills' new interim offensive coordinator will be quarterbacks coach Joe Brady. The NFL has suspended Texans linebacker Denzel Perryman for three games for repeated violations of playing rules intended to protect the health and safety of players. And in the NBA, according to the Arizona Republic, Devin Booker is expected to return Wednesday against the Timberwolves after missing the last five games with a right calf strain. Bradley Beal is also expected to play after tweaking his back on Sunday against OKC, meaning the Suns' big three are set to make their regular season debut tomorrow. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Hey, the gang is here. Appreciate all of you tuning us in. In Tuscaloosa, you listen to Tide 100.9 and WTBC 1230. We have affiliates in East Alabama and the Gadsden-Aniston area as well. We appreciate you folks dialing us in this afternoon as we bring you Big Noon Sports. Wanted to uh, just say, as we did at the very top of the show, that our thoughts and prayers are out with the one and all, the, the weatherman. I mean, he is just, I mean, he's followed by millions and millions on social media and beloved in this state. James Spann had to have some emergency-type surgery last night. He went to Grandview, which, oddly enough, I think he's on the, he may be the chairman of the board, but I know he's on the board of the directors and has been instrumental in the development of that hospital, so where else would he go? But uh, he is recovering nicely. If you follow him on X, then you know he's already showing pictures of him in the sky and, uh, they're probably going to have to put restraints on him just to keep him from doing the weather and weather brains and his many, many appearances at schools around the state. But anyway, just tip of the old weather brains cap to James Spann, Lark. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we're certainly thinking of James. And, um, boy, he, as, as we mentioned first hour, he's an absolute machine. And I wouldn't be surprised if he is on this uh, 5.30 Zoom call that we were uh, supposed to have tonight for uh, the business that we have uh, started together called Sky High Studios. Matt, I, I wanted to share just a, a personal story uh, from this weekend. Um, and I didn't find out about this until uh, yesterday afternoon. You know, uh, I'm a part of a uh, of a group of people who are Bengals fans, and we gather at the Buffalo Wild Wings in uh, in uh, on Highway 280 in Birmingham every Sunday to watch the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. And um, we've been uh, the, our group has been growing, and we really have a just a, a an, an array of different people different ages, different backgrounds. Uh, it was pointed out to me just uh, yesterday that uh, apparently I'm the oldest one in the group, uh, which uh, I certainly don't act like the oldest one, I hope. But, uh, <laughs> no, I, I can vouch for that. I've been there, done that. Yeah, you've been here. Yes, yes, yes. When I've attended, the uh, age has gone up too. So uh, <laughs> what you're saying, you need me to come more often. Yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> But, um, you know, we, there's probably about, 
it, it varies, maybe like 12 of us, maybe up to 20, 22. Uh, and uh, it's people from really all around the state come uh, as far as uh, Smith Lake and and uh, I think as young as uh, probably 22 up to up to my age and in uh, um, one of uh, one of the people in our group, she's pregnant. And a bunch of people bought brought uh, baby gifts for her. Uh, oh, that's cool. uh, Carly, she's thirty four weeks, I think, and uh, she's uh, doing great. Um, so we, we've just really become close, and it, it's uh, it's been really cool for me because you know for for so many years, uh, twenty five. I was either covering an event on Sunday or I was traveling home from an event on Sunday. And so uh, during the fall. And so I never got to be just a fan. And I'm just so thoroughly enjoying the camaraderie of our group. And again, none of us knew each other until uh, we just met uh, randomly at uh, Buffalo Wild Wings and then other people talk and it grows and grows and grows. Anyway, uh, we all kind of have our same seats that we sit at. And uh, the person who would sit next to me, he actually wasn't a part of our group, but he came every week and his name was Mike and he was a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. And he always wore, you know, his uh, Steelers jersey. And uh, over the last few years, I've gotten to be really uh, close with Mike. And, um, you know, he knew sort of my background. And um, I believe at one point he he bought a couple of my books and brought them in. And, of course, I happily signed them for him and and, and all that. But, But, you know, we were just, we were friends. And, uh, and the fact that uh, he supported the Steelers and we were all Bengals, but yet, you know, we, he was like a part of our group. And uh, man, found out yesterday, Mike was 44 years old and he died of a brain aneurysm. And uh, I got to tell you, Matt, this, this one hit me pretty hard. And it's just, uh, uh, it, one, it, it's, it's really sad. Uh, two, it makes you realize that you never know when your time is up. But three, I, I'm, I'm grateful that I got to know Mike and, uh, and that we got to spend all this time together on these, uh, sat on these Sundays uh, over the last three, four or five years. And, um, it, 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 you know, I, I always try to talk about what makes sports special because it's something I, I've constantly written about and it's something I think about. And, and the fact that, yes, we got this great Bengals group, but also just uh, uh, the fact that we would have uh, someone like Mike, who, again, uh, really loved a, a different team, but he was almost, you know, a part of our group. He really was a part of our group, I should say. And we got so many pictures of, of us over the years and, you uh, you know, just my 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 heart goes out to uh, to his family, and uh, just uh, you know, I wanted to I wanted to bring that up, and I wanted to ask you, Matt, um, have you ever been a part of, you know, just like a, a fan group, right? Whether or not it's uh, sitting uh, with fans at a at a at a game. 
Um, you know, if you have season tickets, but I, I know you're, you're like me where we, we usually are, are working games, right? Uh, and we have been over the years, but anything similar or, or maybe even, uh, being on us on a, you know, on, on like a, uh, a, a beer league softball team or, or, you know, uh, just anything where sports brought you together with someone that you normally wouldn't have interacted with. I was a part of a softball team for about 30 years. Greatest group of guys I've ever been around in my life. We all love sports. We all love beer. Uh, we all love the American flag. You know, we played in, as one in spirit. And quite honestly, when um, we started all getting older, we finally stopped playing because uh, our pitcher, our first baseman, our catcher, you know, guys were passing away. So we stopped playing. So. I think that would be the closest situation that I have had personally. And it's, it's tough when, when one of that team, literally, figuratively, every definition imaginable, it's difficult when one goes because it like takes a little bit of the heart of everybody that's on that team or in front of that TV set. So I hope you guys put a Pittsburgh Steelers helmet or jersey on that chair and Maybe honor him the rest of the season. That's a great idea. Maybe, maybe even pull for the Steelers if it doesn't influence what's happening with the Bengals, <laughs> because I know it's a huge rivalry. Now, I, I, I'm tempted to go try to find a, a, a Steelers jersey and, and wear it uh, the next couple of weeks for Mike. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be a very very cool thing and. Um, I didn't know my I might have met Mike last oh, time. Oh, I'm sure you did. I'm sure you um, did. I'm sure you met him uh, a couple times. He was he always had a big smile on his face. He was yeah. he was by himself and uh in you know, he again just sat sat right next to next to me cuz our, our our chairs and so um it's weird how you, you know you always go back to your same chair. When, 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 yeah, but uh, y'all don't sit all that often. To no, be we don't. We don't. We're we're totally obnoxious, and uh, I'm sure the people of Buffalo Wild Wings absolutely hate us. But um, oh, I bet you take care of the. People oh no, we take care Wild of the Wings. servers. Uh, it do. might be the yeah. uh, the other patrons because uh, <laughs> it's uh, gets a little crazy, especially night games. Uh, Bengals played on Monday night. Uh, what? two weeks ago and now uh, they're playing on Thursday night so it can get a little ugly but hey everyone is invited Buffalo Wild Wings 280 Birmingham be careful what you ask for here <laughs> <laughs> come and honor Mike and uh, hey we, we got to get to Tim Brando Matt uh, let's do Tim Brando from Fox Sports is scheduled up next he is on deck as you listen to Big Noon Sports and brought to you in part by Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker, Advantage Realty Group. Back in just a flash. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, 
Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A cloudy sky this afternoon. The most widespread rain stays south of here, the high 67. Cloudy and cooler tonight. Rain moving in, especially after midnight, the low 50. Tomorrow, cloudy and cool with occasional rain, the high in the upper 50s at 59. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 69 degrees in Tuscaloosa. More Big Noon Sports coming up. Indeed it is. Tammy B will be with us from Fox Sports in just a moment. Uh, run a couple of things by you as uh, we saw a little bit below the fold, but not maybe in Texas. But Arch Manning is going to go into the transfer portal. That's what some of these folks around the Austin area are throwing out there. Is that going to happen, Lars? Well, let's ask Tim Brando. Timmy B, oh, how you doing? Uh, yeah, what are you hearing about Arch Manning? I, I haven't heard a word. This was news to me. Uh, <laughs> it was some social not, media blog, Tim. You know, who can uh, you take seriously other than you these days? <laughs> who knows? Uh, yeah. No, I, I'm i not. Um, uh, I spoke with uh, the old redhead, and I spoke with his father, Coop, at uh, Cooper at the, the Houston, Texas game that we did about uh, a little over a month ago. And uh, that, of course, was the game where, uh, you know, uh, yours got dinged in that game. And um, they, they obviously it had it had some impact on them, no question about that. He had to leave the game. And, I, you know, I, I they had a 21 nothing lead. And at one point, I think one of the reasons Cooper Manning was there was he he felt like Arch was going to get a little playing time if they got a comfortable lead. But uh, that comfortable lead was taken away pretty quickly. It was 21-14, just like that. And Houston almost beat them, actually, you know, that, that day. And uh, um, and they've had a few close calls since then. Uh, but um, but yours is back, and we'll see what uh, transpires. No, I, I know nothing about uh, – well, what what's the report? Just tell me what the hearsay is. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't seen it. Matt Matt was uh, reporting uh, on that, but hey, uh, Tim, okay. let's uh, let's start with uh, Jimbo Fisher here. Uh, your thoughts mm-hmm. on his firing, the timing of it, and uh, where does Texas A and M go from here? Hmm. Well, the timing of it uh, is is you know typical with the way college football is is handled these days. Now, you know, not. Uh, it's not just about the recruiting dates, but also the the NIL dates that come into play, and and uh, to secure that, make sure everybody's going to be uh, in tow and and not leaving because they do have a a wonderful uh, roster filled with a lot of talented guys, and I'm sure they want to hold on to as many of them as possible. That's why uh, they chose the the interim coach to be who it was. My understanding is. 
uh, Elijah is uh, their their top recruiter, so uh, that's that's why he's been um, he's been given the nod to be the interim from this this point forward. As it relates to where they're going to go, uh, Lars, your guess is as good as mine. I I, I suspect that if there is a big name uh, that's available, that somebody that they could get, they're going to go after that big name because those oil barons love to do that. Uh, and, and you know, this, this notion that uh, they may have to chill out on the amount of money they spend because of the amount of money it's going to cost to keep Jimbo from, from coaching, I, I don't buy that at all. Uh, those guys, they love to throw around their cash to prove how much money they've got. So if they offer somebody else ten million a year, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked at all. Um, so the guys that they have to to go out and get, whoever the, the so-called hot names are that are coaching that are a lot younger, uh, I think would probably be led by Dan Lanning. You've seen what Dan Lanning had to say, and you know I've, I, I I retweeted it uh, because I was just with him this past weekend before the USC Oregon game, uh, he's not going to leave there. Not now, not at this stage, not with everything that, that they're on the precipice of accomplishing and uh, with the recruits that he's got coming in and with the NIL infrastructure, uh, courtesy the swish and, and uh, swoosh and Phil Knight, uh, he's not going to leave there. Not, not at this stage of his life with, with young kids. I don't see that. I think he's genuine. And what he says, although, you know, coaches at this time are always going to defy those types of uh, rumors and get rid of them as quickly as possible. I get that fans are accustomed to that. But in this era of NIL and uh, the changing complexion of the game and the, and the way you put teams together, uh, I think it's more believable now when a coach says, no, I'm not, I, I, you know, not going to go there. I think it's much more believable now than it might have been a few years ago. Uh, Urban Meyer has been uh, thrown out there, and of those big names, I I will tell you that uh, I I don't disagree that he could be a possibility. Uh, now I, I'm, I'm not close to Urban, but I'm, I'm friendly with Urban. Uh, I do think that um, there's a lot of complexity with him, uh, and obviously there are years of uh, championships and and some years of baggage that come with him. But I don't know that that the, the so-called negatives would outweigh the positives as far as A&M is concerned, at least based on uh, the way they've gone through this before, you know, the way A&M has, has handled it. I mean, with, with Jimbo, they were just after the biggest name that had a national championship on his resume, and they really didn't care what had happened at Florida State in the years preceding his exit. Um they cared about the fact that he had gotten a national title and that he had had a tremendous record and, and, um, uh, and a, um, a pedigree of, of offensive football that had separated him in terms of uh, building offenses. And listen, uh, it's, yeah, it's been a while since Jimbo has had tremendous success, uh, 10 years. That's a long time. But uh, he's also developed a lot of a lot of quarterbacks some some have said now that his approach is outdated that may well be true uh but a lot of guys can resurrect themselves too uh at different stages and that's what they were planning on when they brought him in in 2017 they thought that with his name they could attract the best possible players and 
But what they didn't know, obviously, was that the game was changing and that, you know, that Jimbo had failed to evolve uh, in some measure. You don't have the kind of years he's had the last couple of years without failing to evolve, uh, either as a X's and O's guy or uh, in the, from the standpoint of getting today's player uh, to improve and develop under your tutelage. Uh, A&M's got the talent, but they have not developed that talent. And that is startling, you know, to a lot of people. And that certainly I think that was the case for Ross Bjork and the reason why uh, he detailed it the way he did when he made that decision and had that press conference uh, that we all witnessed. I don't think it surprised a whole lot of people that even, um, you know, follow college football on a on a medium level that Jimbo got aced, uh, axed, but... The deal with uh, Zach Arnett, the more I read about it, the more I think about it, the more I read Lane Kiffin's quote, pretty much scolding Mississippi State for allowing the guy 10 games. He did get a $4 million buyout, but my long way of asking you the question, that one surprised me and seemed unfair. Am I off base? No. No, I don't think you are. But in today's world, in this environment, uh, I think that this is why you're going to see these kinds of moves made because if, if you look listless offensively and let's face it, okay, he had one of the best quarterbacks returning to his team and that offense was awful and looked nothing like uh, what it had before. And obviously Mike Leach was a transformational coach. I mean, to compare him to, to what the late Mike Leach was all about would would be very unfair, no doubt about it. But, you know, <laughs> the fact that they did not have an offense that was built around the talents of a returning veteran quarterback was, was shocking. And I think that that's one of the reasons why they, they felt the need to do what they did. And a little bit like A&M, I think they probably felt similarly in Starkville that, well, if we keep this guy for another year, and we don't really improve. And what are the chances of that kind of improvement when you look around what's happening, not just with the existing teams that you have to play, but with Oklahoma and and uh, Texas coming in? I mean, uh, the, the circumstances for Mississippi State have always been difficult from a recruiting standpoint. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But to add those two teams, from the western side, really, even though we're getting away from the east and the west, but that that those teams are are going to be infiltrating the state of Mississippi to get talent, just like they have Louisiana, Texas, Florida, and beyond. So, uh, I, I think the these kinds of reactions, Matt, that we deem unfair, are just part of it now. Okay, there's no such thing as fair anymore in in college football, and specifically when it comes to coaching, when when we can give you a $4 million buyout. For a coach like that that was a coordinator not that long ago, uh, you know, he'll bounce back. Uh, and and um, whether he gets a head coaching job again, who knows? But the lovely golden parachute on your, your way out the door in Starkville, there's no question about that. Tim, you've spent a lot of time uh, with the Oregon Ducks this season. Uh, you were on the call last week, uh, Oregon-USC. 
Two mm-hmm. questions. One, uh, can you make an argument that Oregon is playing the best football in the country right now? And two, uh, do you think Bo Nix is the best player in the country right now? I'd say yes and yes to both of those. I think Oregon, if you look back at my preseason top ten, fellas, I know I get reminded often of who I didn't have uh, in my preseason top ten or who I who I really missed on, but I was I was pretty accurate on Oregon. I had them number three. What what that meant was I felt Oregon would make the college football playoff, and they are poised to do exactly that if they can continue to win and do uh, get a matchup with with Washington and a rematch in the last Pac-12 title game to ever be played. Um, as I've as I've stated, uh, I mentioned this earlier today uh, with my friend Jake Crane on his. Um, his show, Crane and Company, that's uh, streamed on on the Daily Wire. They, we can't unsee the Washington loss. Okay, the Washington loss happened, and that's why they can't get past Washington right now in the in the polls. Okay, but the same thing holds true for Alabama. We cannot unsee the Texas loss. The one difference, however, is Oregon has the potential of 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 getting redemption. Uh, unfortunately for Alabama, Texas isn't in the SEC yet. They can't play them and get that redemption. So that's a that's a big difference when you look at it. So Oregon, in my opinion, among the one-loss teams, is the team best suited to get to the college football playoff, not Alabama. There's where all those tweets go. <laughs> All we right, need to Jimmy. discuss that on the other side. Yeah, we will do that. Not Tim a problem. Brando, our... Not a problem. <laughs> Tim Brando is our guest on Big Noon Sports. I'm thinking you're going to want to hang around for this. Join Tide 100 is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. And our guest from Fox Sports is Tim Brando. (laughs) Tim was um, arguing the case for Oregon and the Ducks, and I think you can look at their schedule and see that they've had some really quality wins. But So has the University of Alabama. But as far as uh, two teams that have one loss and, uh, you know, are, are... have high hopes on the playoffs. You don't think Alabama is, you don't think they're there yet? No. No, I don't. I, I think who they've beaten, they've they've beaten well, and uh, they looked awfully good. They've improved, Matt. Uh, and I'm not arguing the case. I'm simply telling you what I think. The question was asked, what I think of Oregon, 
And I told you, I, I think yeah. they are the best one loss team in America. And, and I think with uh, all due respect uh, to the Alabama faithful, yes, your team has really improved. And Jalen Milrow is a heck of a story. I give a lot of credit to Tommy Reese uh, for making the appropriate changes uh, after the Texas game to uh, better give him an opportunity to succeed, uh, getting away from having him throw much in the pocket and uh, roll him out, let him use his running skill. And, and I think he does throw the ball far better when he is on the move. So that's been a, a really good thing. Um, Alabama, probably if you want to measure them against Texas, okay, if you want to measure them against Texas, then we got a little bit of more of a debate. I think Oregon is clearly the better team. Bo Nix, just think about the numbers here, okay? We're talking about a guy that uh, numbers are just off the charts. His completion percentage is 80%. He's thrown for over 3,000 yards, okay? 29 touchdowns, two interceptions. I'll repeat, 29 touchdowns, two interceptions. Crazy. Most experienced quarterback (laughs) in NCAA history. 57 consecutive uh, starts uh, entering this week's play. He's got an NCAA record completion percentage that passes Alabama's Matt Jones, for crying out loud. All right, so you should be accustomed to knowing a little something about Matt. So... He's got an incredible entourage of receivers. Troy Franklin, sprinter speed, okay, 10.3440 speed. Tez Johnson, his brother from another mother, who is an outstanding talent himself, who's been his go-to guy out of Pinson, Alabama, having a hell of a year. Gary Bryant, another outstanding wide receiver, transfer from USC. And you add Jordan James and, and Bucky Irving, who've been – really getting it done out of the backfield. I mean, they are a complete team, and that defense is pushing around people. Their defensive front with Casey Rogers, with uh, Popo Amovai, they're getting a great rush up the middle. Jeffrey Bassa is an outstanding linebacker. They are good defensively. They've got a defensive coordinator in Tosh LaPoy that's worked for Kirby, that knows a little bit about what goes on at Bama, just like Dan Lanning did. So they've been well-schooled by some of the best coaches uh, at both Georgia and at Alabama. And, of course, spent some time at the, at the NFL level, Tosh LaPoy did. So they are a really sound football team in every respect. And they lost the game to Washington in large measure because Dan Lanning wanted to play the analytics, and he played it too often. He, he cost himself uh, uh, by chasing a touchdown when he could have just taken a field goal at the end of a half. And then with the ball on his own 35-yard line with a three-point lead and the opposing team at home had a guy that's another Heisman candidate, Michael Penix, who I would put right with Bo Nix, sort of neck and neck as the leaders in the clubhouse for the award. Uh, they gave him a short field, and they took advantage and, uh, and won the football game. So that's their only loss. And, uh, and Alabama's was at home to Texas. If you don't think the college football playoff committee doesn't weigh where the games were played and how those games were played out when determining who has the best loss of the one-loss teams, you're kidding yourself. And if Alabama fan didn't learn from last year, okay, regardless of what Nick Saban said afterwards, okay, the high and mighty Nick Saban can say, you know what, weren't we the fourth best team? When you get right down to it, weren't we the fourth best team? He said that before. And, and, and you know what? The bottom line is 
just because he says it doesn't mean it's going to get him any more consideration the next time around. Okay, the bottom line is when you measure his one loss to Oregon's one loss, it's not up to speed. It's just not. All right, let's shift gears to uh, Michigan. Uh, I'll just throw out a couple of phrases. Jim Harbaugh, sign-stealing, three-game suspension. Tim, the mic is yours. First and foremost, uh, I believe that, you know, you know the NCAA uh, has an ongoing investigation that lasts 90 days. And the 90 days, they haven't even sent the letter of notification yet to Michigan. So that, that starts a 90-day clock. So the NCAA can't do anything and won't do anything uh, until after this season is over. What really happened here, Lars, and I'm going to speak right to you on this one, because uh, you know the people involved, the scribes that are involved here, and I have great respect for all of them. I do. And I certainly have, in my past, used anonymous sources. So they have every right to use anonymous sources whenever and however they like. Gather up whatever information you want to gather up. All right. But in the final analysis, they convicted him in public through social media with their findings through anonymous sources that were, in fact, in my opinion, and no one shouted me down on this, Anonymous sources coming directly from Indianapolis and the infractions committee and enforcement people within the confines of the NCAA. Okay. No one will be able to convince me otherwise of that. So they utilize that plus a few other friends in media, particularly those that represent a company that does not have a contractual agreement with the big 10. And they were able to go forth and conquer and get the commissioner of the Big Ten in his rookie year to tower to some extent and make this move with a 13-page statement that had really one paragraph in it that, that really jumped out to me. This is not, uh, Tony Petiti said in that prepared statement, uh, a penalty uh, being waged against Jim Harbaugh. This is against Michigan, the university. <laughs> well, that, that told me all I needed to know. All right. That told me all I needed to know that they believed based on the findings that they had heard about, not findings that they could uh, that they could corroborate, that they had to do something to rid themselves of this this albatross that was hanging around the conference's neck. And for him as the new commissioner to get these ADs and coaches, all of whom were just <laughs> all around him saying, you got to do something, you got to do something. So he did something, all right, with an understanding that he had to penalize them in some way, shape, fashion, or form, or he was going to have a real problem on his hands. Now, coming up this week on Friday when Harbaugh gets his opportunity, I suggest that he will he'll get that stay. I think Jim Harbaugh, in all likelihood, will be on the sidelines this weekend. I think an injunction will be granted. And then by the time they deal with that, the the season will be over and we're going to be in the postseason with college football's playoff and Michigan will be in it. And just as was the case with Auburn uh, back in 2010 when everybody in the SEC was screaming, cam, scam, scam, cam. And I know it was different, but the eligibility situation with Cam Newton was a very big deal 
and a lot of other coaches were breathing right down the neck of Mike Slive. Mike Slive handled that beautifully, uh, exquisitely, made sure that the NCAA got their ineligibility for one day for a 24-hour period on a Friday before the, the practice before the Georgia game. Cam Newton showed up, and he was ready to go. I'll never forget at CBS we had Tony Barnhart right there covering the entire conversation. Commissioner Slive was on hand at Auburn, and this he, he just handled it. And it was over. And uh, nothing else was said. A lot of gnashing of teeth around the rest of the league. I, I think the same thing's going to happen here. I think uh, a lot of Big Ten coaches and, and athletic directors can scream bloody murder. But in the end, uh, the NCAA decided to let the media uh, and uh, a lot of other influences do its dirty work for them because they couldn't do anything and can't do anything because of the corrupt nature of how they go about the business of governance, and uh, and because they can never get anything solid. Okay, it takes them too long on any investigation. Quick, but quick. ultimately, yep. they felt it necessary to go after Harbaugh because they hate Harbaugh, and with the NCAA, it's always personal. Well, quick they follow get the up. People they want to get, they get the people they want to get, Lars. They don't get the people they don't want to get. And see Kansas. See the six-year FBI investigation in basketball as exhibit a in your personal opinion did michigan cheat no no i don't think that i don't think that michigan did anything that any other program has ever done knowingly that's not the question Jim Har- that's not Jim the Harbaugh- question that's not the okay. question did they cheat okay the, there's video oh, yeah. evidence that they were well, on the well, sideline sure, sure but just saying that other every other team cheat. does it doesn't make it right yeah. <laughs> I didn't say it was right. I said that the I said that to penalize to penalize them is inappropriate and not well founded. We need to allow the NCAA to get the hell out of college football's business, and we need to self govern. The bigger issue here, fellas, is how in the world are we allowing uh, a, a, you know a, a, a body like the NCAA, who has nothing has done nothing but hurt college football. Since it lost its monopoly financially on college football in 1984, which most of the people on social media, many of the writers today, and almost every other broadcaster I know of, has conveniently caught amnesia over. We don't need the stinking NCAA in college football at all. And if and if the commissioners, along with Petiti and Sankey, take hold of this the way they should, within the next calendar, oh, let's say 24 months, the NCAA will be a thing of the past where football is concerned anyway. So I hope that answers your question. I believe Michigan will play for and win the national championship whether Harbaugh is there or not. And if they don't, Oregon will. Hard to, hard to disagree with that, Tim. No, uh, I think no, in the end run, Michigan and the Big Ten are getting what they want. They got a shot at a national championship, yeah, even six, though they're sure pointing do. fingers back and forth, six, and back and forth. Six million, uh, six million per team too in the Big Ten. Yeah. Tim, this is great stuff, man. Thank you so Always, much. Always, Tim. Thank you, man. Well, you know I love you guys. All the best. All right, you too. Thank you, Timmy. Lars, <clears throat> there are eight athletes that are worth a billion dollars or more. You want to take a shot at a couple of those when we get back? You bet. All right.
Online. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. Thank you, Timmy Brando from Fox Sports. Listen to him this weekend. We'll be right back. Coming up, Coming up on The Game with Ryan Fowler. Coming up on the Tuesday edition of The Game, we'll feature Mike Dettelier. We'll do a Dreamland score prediction day. We're going to get you ready for the weekend as we move toward Chattanooga. Right here on The Game, starting at 2 o'clock on Tide 100.9-1230 WTBC. Your home for Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. The longest-running sports program in Tuscaloosa. The Game with Ryan Fowler. Weekdays from 2 to 6 p.m. On Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Tide 100. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A cloudy sky this afternoon. The most widespread rain stays south of here, the high 67. Cloudy and cooler tonight. Rain moving in, especially after midnight, the low 50. Tomorrow, cloudy and cool with occasional rain. The high in the upper 50s at 59. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 69 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Really good edition of Big Noon Sports. Thank you, Lars. Thank you, Noah. Thank you, Tim Brando, and to Mike Rodak as well. Just one of those things, you know, Lars, you do it as well. You're just kind of thumbing through things or scrolling through things in the morning and looking for little topics that might be worthwhile. And I found this one very interesting as uh, far as the richest athletes or richest people in sports uh, I found it very interesting. I don't think I'm going to surprise you with the leadoff here, am I? No, no. And this is uh, it's Michael Jordan. Um, yeah, so you said you eight wanna... athletes who are billionaires. Yes, and then there's one that's almost above all of them that isn't an athlete. He's just involved in the sport. But you just want to take a couple of shots at one of the other uh, seven remaining. I would uh, think... Tiger Woods. He is number two. Very good. I would think uh, LeBron. He is uh, one, two. He's fifth. Um, Because of his business ventures with uh, movie theaters and and what he has done with the development in Los Angeles, especially in... Um, uh, areas, uh, neighborhoods of need. I would say Magic Johnson. Very good, and and you just mentioned. I think what the coolest thing about 
his amassing a billion plus. Certainly, he was well paid by the Lakers. Nobody's going to doubt that. But he made, what, 10 times what he made with the Lakers? He took what he was paid with the Lakers and made himself a billionaire. He's just a brilliant businessman. So that's very, very good. You have gotten four of the top five. And there would have to be... Um, a soccer player. There has to be a soccer player. So I would say Messi. That's what I would guess. Messi is actually six. Ronaldo is third. So there okay. you were nailing the soccer. Um, then, then believe it or not, you want me to give you sports? Yeah. Tennis and boxing. Tennis would be. Well, women still don't make as much as men. I was going to say Serena, so it's got to be Federer. It is. Boxing, I would like to say Tyson, but probably blew his money. I think he pilfered a lot of that. Uh, Mayweather? There you go. Lars, I would give you an A plus (laughs) on your assignment for that. That's pretty good. But... um, Here's one guy that is, uh, would be second if you included people in sports. And Vince McMahon is worth $2 billion. Wow. $2 billion for wrestling. I thought that was pretty interesting. You know, uh, I went to one event. I went to one WWE the WWF back then, uh, back in like 19, 1989 in Omaha, Nebraska, and uh, Hulk Hogan was uh, um, the guy. And I got to say, it was so much fun. <laughs> I had a good time. Man, it's entertaining stuff. I mean, they put it out there. You remember Vince McMahon was the integral part of, you remember the XFL? Birmingham had yeah, the Thunderbolts yeah. who had moved here by then, but Jay Barker was the quarterback. That's right. And, um, when they first made the announcement that Birmingham was kind of going to be a, a key cog in the wheel here, Vince McMahon came, and they had the, really, it wasn't a news conference as much as it was just a big party. Uh, Vince McMahon was at the club. I'm assuming you've been to the club. So I think I'm going to the club on Thursday, actually. Yeah. Oh, well, um, you'll find that it is a spectacular venue for anything from a wedding to an XFL announcement. It's got to be the most pretentious name of any place <laughs> in America. It's not the club. It's the club. The club. Well, and you have to be the somebody to be at the club. <laughs> um but it is a very, it is an amazing a very view. nice and, and it's yeah. an amazing view and it's run very well and there's a reason why it's called The Club. I will share with you quickly. When I was young, um, they had not many had been built and Huntsville in its superb creativity, there was a, a mall built and it was like one of the first in the South. You know what they called it? What's that? The Mall. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> anyway, it was extravagant. Vince McMahon walked onto the podium where they had all the people seated, like a board of directors, and the lights were flashing, and it was just a big show. 
at the club with Birmingham's city outline in the background. Pretty fabulous stuff. All well, right. Noah, thank you so much. Uh, the phone lines here at uh, Tide 100.9 already lit up for Ryan Fowler, lit, Dawson, lit. Robert, Paul. Man, they're just, uh, they can't wait to get in. Well, he's the man. <laughs> All right, Come Ryan on, Fowler is on funny. next here, Tide 100.9. Matt, we'll hang out tomorrow. Uh, Rich Rod, you going to work on Rich Rod? Rich Rod. Yep, back in 22. <laughs>